So good, once again, I know I said it already, but I have to say it again. So good to see each and every one of you here. In case you didn't pick up on it, we were away last weekend, and I, and I, I mean, I don't like, I mean, I like vacation. I won't lie. I, I like going away. I like traveling. It's, it's lots of fun. Even with kids on an airplane, it's lots of fun. Even if it's three airplanes on the way home and the last one's delayed by an hour and you get into Thunder Bay at 2 a.m., it's still worth it. I think, but it's, it's so much fun to, to go away, but you know, what's fun about going away is that we often will have a, a guest speaker come and I had pastor John from marathon. He came last week and, and every time we have a guest speaker here that I am away, they always tell me over resoundingly so that how great you guys are and how wonderful and how nice and how friendly you guys are as a church. And I just get to smile and say, I know. And we, we are a part of one of the best churches in the world. I'm just going to say it. Uh, one of the best churches. I don't care. I know we have visitors from Long Lack this morning. Our church is better than Long Lack. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, of course, I'm teasing a little bit, but I just don't, I don't pastor Long Lack. So I, I, I have to be for these guys. But uh, so good to have Julie with us. And, and I know Pastor Jason quite well. We went to Bible college together. And Jason is actually filled in here before too. And he said the same thing. Now, he didn't say it was the best church, but he did say it was a very good, very friendly, amazing people church. And so thank you for uh, hosting John last week. And uh, hopefully you took something away. I listened to the message and I really appreciated the words that he had to share about uh, about Mary and Elizabeth. And uh, if you're Incredible message. It'll be on the website in the coming weeks, or this this coming week rather, not in the coming weeks, this coming week. But uh, so good to have good people around, and so good to be among really good people. It's good to be home. I didn't I didn't mean to miss it on purpose, but uh, one important announcement is that we are looking to do a missions trip come uh, 2021. And if you are interested in going on a missions trip, we are going to do a meeting on January the 12th. Following the service, we'll have some soup and some sandwiches that we can eat together as we discuss, as we pray about the possibilities of heading over to Mwanza, Tanzania, which of course you, don't, you might know is, is in Africa, which you may also know that we support some global workers there, Jade and Julius Kenyu Maniera, who are here this summer. And uh, we're looking forward to the opportunity to go and spend uh, some time with them Uh, and serving them in the ministry, and see firsthand the things that they do. And uh, we will look at the possibilities of what that means, what that looks like. But um, really looking forward to the the opportunity that we have before us as a church. And so if you want to be part of that trip, and uh, you want to just get involved with that, uh, come to that meeting on January 12th. And we don't have all the details yet. This is just really to see who's interested, to see what it's going to take, and begin to put together a team of people to do some research, to begin to do some planning. And once we have the team set, then we can start looking at the skills of our team and then say to, the, to our missionaries, hey, these are some of the people that are interested. These are some of the things that we can do, uh, and, and you can fit us in that way. And, and so we're excited for those opportunities. I don't know if we've ever done that before. We may have had people that have gone on missions trips, but to our church actually sending a team, I don't know if we've ever done that before. And so I'm excited that we are moving in this direction. It's a part of who we are. We give locally. We give to each other. We give 
financially, but this is an opportunity for us to go serve globally. And uh, we certainly believe in the global mission of Jesus Christ, that he did come and die for all people. And so we are excited about this opportunity. So January the 12th, it's a very special day. If it wasn't for that day, I wouldn't be born. And so come celebrate my birthday by giving you thousands of dollars for a missions trip, okay? <laughs> It'd be wonderful. Well, let's, uh, let's jump into the word this morning. And uh, I don't really literally mean jump on your Bible, but if that's what you have to do, if you're feeling a little bit angry, uh, get those Bibles ready because we're going to be talking about uh, come to worship and we're going to be talking about bringing our gifts. Now, no matter what we do, we can never give God more than he has given us. Uh, and that's what we celebrate this Christmas season, the giving of his son. But uh, there's other things that God gives us. God gives us spiritual gifts. And there's another gift in particular, especially as Pentecostals, we believe that God gives us the gift of his Holy Spirit. And he gives us the gift not just to speak in tongues for the sake of speaking in tongues, but he gives us his supernatural power to do the impossible things in this world so that he can meet the needs of people around us. And we have an exciting story that I want to share with you today. Actually, I'm not going to share it at all, but I'm going to invite Corey to come and he's going to share his experience with you as long as he's still ready to do that this morning. So welcome Corey as he comes today. I want the mic because I'm recording it. Oh, okay. So this past uh, Tuesday, um, me and Frank met with uh, Pro. So we had our Pro, and then afterwards, um, I'm sorry, Frank, I forgot the uh, scriptures, but um, it was about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. So um, he prayed for me, and then um, he prayed, he prayed, and I repeated one, and then my uh, one of the most exhilarating experiences of my life. Um, he was praying, and then I, was, I started to pray and started to quiver. I almost um, dropped to my knees, but Frank saved me and sat me down in the couch. And um, I was totally enthralled. And then my, uh, I started to speak in tongues, and I was very, very... Um, afterwards, I was confused, but for the Lord to come and show me after all the problems that I've had leading up to coming, moving home and being very, very, having medical conditions and all the rest of it. And then um, my mother asking me to come to church one Sunday uh, in February, coming to church and then um, the pastor with his, um, with his um, faith messages in, Ju in June and July and then being so enthralled and so having knowing that the Lord was still in my heart and still loved me and to be to have that experience I thought I would never have it and now my uh my faith in the Lord is is stronger than it's ever been and I'm just trying to live for him now and with uh the songs that we sang I am who you say I am that song has always spoke to me and I've always liked it but to have the experience of being, as I've heard people say it, slain by the Spirit, he's got me by the heartstrings and he's pulling with everything. So as I continue to grow in my faith and to grow as a Christian, um, I'm really excited for what the Lord has in store for me. Thank you.
So good to hear when God does something amazing in someone's life. And, and, and it's been so cool to watch you, Corey, on this journey. It's so a privilege to be a part of, of this journey uh, as a pastor and as part of your church family. It's just an exciting thing to know that God is on the move in Terrace Bay. And, uh, you know, we may not understand, some of us in the room may not understand everything that means. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized with the Holy Spirit? You can read about that in, in Acts chapter 2. It was, it was the birth of the church, and, and, and so many thousands of people gathered to hear these, these people speaking in languages that they wouldn't normally know how to speak, and yet they understood what they were saying because it was the, the Spirit of God speaking through them. And uh, it was out of this experience that the church was born. And they began to do miracles and began to see signs and began to see wonders of things that God would do. And I'm excited because, Corey, this isn't about you, really. This is, uh, this is just a step that God is, just, it's something that God has done in Corey's life for not the sake of himself, although it's a pretty amazing experience. He's given us this gift that we might share the power and the love of God with the world around us so that they too would know the goodness, the grace, the healing, miraculous power of God. And whether people know it or not, we can all use a little bit of healing in our lives. And so that's why we celebrate Christmas. That's what it's all about. It's the time where God sent his son. God came down to this earth himself as a baby, as a human, as a person to give us the greatest gift of all time. And so we've come to worship this king. We've come to worship this baby. Let us go this morning to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Familiar Christmas passage. And as you get there today, you may remember a few weeks ago as I started us off, we talked about lifting our hands in worship. And it's something that uh, maybe is a little bit foreign, but maybe it's not. I mean, you go to a concert and people have their hands raised, especially to the slow song. It used to be you pull out your lighter and then it became, you know, now you pull out, now you pull out the cell phones and all of these things. And, and you, know, you see people do that all the time to music. We talked about how sports games, you see people, they lift their hands in celebration. Go team or go, come on, go. We see it happen all the time. And, and why should we worship the Lord any different? If that's how we express our joy, how we express our frustration, we say we lift our hands because one, it's pleasing to God. It makes God happy. Just like the little child, as you saw my own son this morning, reach up his hands. What father doesn't want to pick up his son? When we lift our hands in worship, it's the same way as God is reaching down to us and it warms his heart and makes him joyful. It's happy. It's a sign of praise. It's time of celebration. God, you are so good. I lift my hands and I praise you. And as well, finally, we, we talked about how lifting our hands in worship, it's like we're declaring battle. You know, we talked about Moses and, and he, he saw the battle happening and, and he lifted his hands and the Israelites were succeeding. They were winning. God was working through that moment. And when he got tired, they sat him on a rock. And when he got more tired, they lifted his hands up for him, which tells us sometimes we just need to come around one another. We need to help one another lift each other's hands up to get through the hard times, to get through the tough times, but to declare that even in my weakness, even in my brokenness, even in my frustration, even in my tiredness, even in my disease, I will lift my hands and I will praise my God because I am declaring battle that my God is fighting for me that my God is with me. It's a sign of faith. We lift our hands for two reasons. One, as a sign of surrender, and two, as a sign of praise. 
And so that was why we came to worship by lifting our hands. Today we're talking about coming to worship by bringing our gifts. And we'll see the first people to bring gifts to our Lord. Matthew 2, verses 1 to 2 says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. We have come to worship him. They came to worship Jesus. Now, if you've read the story, if you've heard the story before, we, we know that Herod takes a bit of an interest in this newborn king, so to speak. And he begins to sort of uh, play nice to the Magi. And he says, oh, tell me about this king. I, too, would love to go worship this king. But really, in his heart, he felt threatened. And in, his, in this moment, he felt weak, he felt insecure, and he decided he needed to make a decision to eliminate this threat to his kingdom. Of course, anyone who tries to rise up against God's plans surely will fail, and he certainly failed at his attempt. But they tried hard. He tried hard to, to overcome these things, and, and they brought an authentic gifts. They wanted to come and bring an authentic act of worship. And here Herod was just playing along, pretending to worship this newborn king. Let's just jump ahead to verse 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now we read that one little verse, and maybe we don't grasp the full magnitude of what's taking place here, uh, what these wise men, these magi did. They traveled as far away as we know as around Persia, which would have been about 900 miles now, they couldn't take an airplane or three airplanes like I just did. They couldn't do those kinds of things. No, this was a hard, long journey on foot, on camel, on donkey, whatever means of travel they had. This was a long, tiresome, time-consuming journey. And proclaimers have nothing on them. You know, I would walk 500 miles and, you know, singing it. They walked over 900 miles one way. That's about from here to Montreal, if you were to... Just sort of put that into perspective. If you wanted to jump in your, your car and drive, you could drive from Terrace Bay to Montreal in about 900 or so miles. If I'm wrong, you can correct me publicly later. There'll be a flogging after church. But uh, Jim will be number one because it'll hurt the most. Anyways, um, 900 miles, this just signifies the, the incredible journey that they went on to bring the gifts to this newborn king. They believed that he was the savior of the world and they wanted to come and worship him. And they did it not with grumpy traveling faces. When you go to an airport and you see someone that has a delayed flight and they have kids and, and or they've missed a flight, there's not too much joy around the airport or they're running to the gate or stuck in the security line. Like there's not joyful people. No, they made this trip. And they were overjoyed to go through the difficulties, to go through the deserts, to go through the mountains, to go every step they took. They saw it with joy. Keep reading Matthew chapter 2 and verse 10. Keep reading and see what happens here this morning. It says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and they worshipped him. 
They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, in the English translation, I think we lose something in the original Greek. When we read the word overjoyed, there's actually four Greek words translated that give us the word overjoyed. Um, Another version of the Bible says they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. The Greek words literally mean they rejoiced with a big, uh, homogenous, overarching joy, which basically is not something that we express very well in our culture today. Our joy is kind of like this. I'm so happy. I'm so full of joy. So does that sound like overarching joy to you? Who would like to be our overzealous, joyful person this morning? Corey. Who thinks they can do better than Corey this morning? I could do better than that this morning. Come on, Jim, you can do it. DeGraff, come on. DeGraff, you know what? You have nothing to lose, DeGraff. You're leaving. Nothing to lose. Now, overarching joy would be something like, Yahoo! Yes! Woo! That is overarching joy. How many are happy they came to church for that this morning? (laughs) Overarching joy. We're happy about being happy that we're happy because we're happy he's here. All right. Overarching joy is we're happy about being happy because we're happy that he's happy he's here. How many can repeat that sentence? I have to write it down in big letters. We're happy about being happy that we're happy because he's happy he's here. It's almost impossible to describe how full of life they were because for centuries the people had hoped that one day there might be one who would be born to save them from their sins. They were longing, desperately hoping, waiting, praying, expecting that someday, someday someone would come. Someone would come and, and be the sacrifice that only they could be, that we could not do in ourselves. They waited and they waited and they waited. And they saw the sign. They saw the star. And they were overjoyed because that person had finally come. That person had finally arrived. Here's the problem with some of us today, especially for some of us Christians, is our joy is like the first joy. I'm so happy. So happy. So full of joy. The fact is, maybe we're underjoyed. No, I get it. I, I get it. Things weigh heavy on our hearts all the time. You know, maybe life is going well and we get some bad news. We get a report we don't like. We just get a burden for somebody else. We see the pain, the suffering, the injustice in our world, and it weighs heavy on us. But here's the thing. We, we, we come and we celebrate a king. We come and celebrate a savior. We actually know the end of the story. We know that there's a day where just justice will prevail, where holy, godly justice will prevail. We know that day is here and it is coming. We know that there will be a day where there will be no more suffering, where there will be no more tears, where there will be no more crying, there will be no more pain, there will be no more hurt, there will be no more anguish. We know that that time is both here and it is coming. 
we have a joy to believe that when we see these circumstances with our human eyes, we have the ability to see things from God's perspective and believe that things do not have to stay the same. We get to believe that things will never be the same again because of the birth of this Savior. But sometimes we just get bogged down, we forget, we get discouraged, we get beaten down, and our joy begins to dimmer. Our joy begins to, to suffer. And people look at us, and, I mean, no one likes to be around someone. That, the only people that like to be around grumpy people are other grumpy people. And even they don't like being together because they're grumpy that they have to be with somebody else. And so there's nothing worse than you come to church and you meet a grumpy person. Now, if you came in grumpy this morning, I hope you leave here full of joy. And I hope when you come back next week that you're full of joy and not grumpy. Now, I've come to church grumpy before. I'm going to be honest. And there's weeks, even as a pastor, I have come to church grumpy before. In fact, I wasn't grumpy this morning, but I was almost grumpy. Not really even grumpy. I was annoyed this morning as a parent, as my daughter was losing her mind because she didn't have the right mitts on today. And she needed to have her donut mitts on and not a pink mitt and a red mitt. Meanwhile, she was the first one ready to go out the door, standing by the door for a good 10 minutes. She had ample opportunity to put on the right kind of mitts. And do you think she was full of joy by the time we got here this morning? Absolutely not. In fact, she stayed outside when we got to church with her coat undone, her mitts off, no hat because she was losing her mind, not full of joy because of mitts. Now, I don't understand girls and I don't understand kids very well. And it's really bad because I have three girls in my life and I have three kids. So I'm a work in progress. However, even when we don't feel like it, we have to take, maybe put the feelings aside and we have to take what we know is true, what we believe in our hearts, lift our hands and worship anyway. Because maybe we're not feeling very good. Maybe we're not having a good day. Maybe we're not wearing the right mitts today. Some of us... We have days like that, and that's, let me tell you, it's okay to have those days. But in those moments, we have to choose to worship. And you know what happens when I'm in those moods, and I choose to worship? I really don't feel like it, I'll tell you that. I really don't feel like it, but, you know, whether it's just putting on a song, whether it's grabbing the guitar, whether it's singing in the shower, whatever, the moment that I begin to worship God. It's not that my problems go away. I just realize how small they really are. And even when I'm facing a big problem, it's amazing how small it gets when I start to look at how big my God is. So they came overjoyed. If you're overjoyed, make sure to tell your face. <laughs> people love to be around people who are happy and full of joy. Let the people around you know. Being a follower of Jesus, I've said it before, it's not supposed to be boring. Oh, yeah, I'm going to church today. It's going to be good. <laughs> grumble, grumble, grumble. Do you want to come to, do you want to, hey, do you want to come to church with me? No? <laughs> but how about this? Hey, do you want to come to church with me? <laughs> Changes everything. Don't live your life underjoyed. Smile, clap, worship, praise. Be fun to be around. You know, maybe we don't have to be as expressive as, as I was a minute ago. 
But put the smile on your face. Begin to let the joy of the Lord fill your heart because there is joy here if you're willing to, to experience it. They traveled 900 miles and they couldn't wait to worship him. So what did they do? Verse 11 says, on coming to the house, they saw the child. They saw Mary, his mother. They saw his stepfather, Joseph. And what did they do? They bowed down. They were tired. They just had an awkward meeting with a king. They had all these experiences. And yet when they got to the house, they were full of joy. They bowed down. We're going to come back to this portion in a few weeks. We're going to talk about kneeling our knees and pouring out our hearts in the next two weeks as they worshiped him. So number one, be overjoyed. Number two, they gave gifts. How did they worship? Let's pay attention to this. It says they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold, incense or frankincense and myrrh. They were overjoyed to bow down, to worship, to bring the gifts to the one who would save them. They were overjoyed to give. They did not give with a little bit of grumbling. They did not give and just sort of like, you know, quietly. No, they were happy to give of themselves, to give these gifts. You know, my daughter often loves, she's going to buy me nothing for Christmas as we've heard, but we, I know that she loves to make daddy cards and pictures and all of these kinds of things. And oh, I'm going to make this. I'm going to give, she loves to give daddy gifts. Why? Because she loves daddy except for last night, but she loves, she loves to make things for daddy. And you know, even when she goes to a birthday party, she doesn't buy, I mean, she would love to buy a card, but she doesn't buy cards for her friends. She makes them her own. And I mean, we do it because it helps her learn to spell. We, and she does it all this and that, but she loves to make cards for her friends and she, she'll draw a picture usually of her and that friend that she's going to. Why? Because she has a love for that person, a love for them. So she wants to do something special. She wants to give of her time. She wants to give them something that they couldn't get anywhere else. They're over, she's overjoyed to give. And these men, as they showed up, they were overjoyed to give a gift of gold, frankincense, and more. Now, the only gift of gold that I've ever given to anybody was the smallest little ring I could afford to give to my wife when I asked her to marry me. Gold is not cheap if you buy lots of it. And I haven't looked at the market recently, but I'm, it's, I, it's still it's expensive. It costs them something. You know, it's been dated for centuries, the meanings of these gifts. Are they symbolic? Are they practical? It's both. In general, the thinking is the gold represents his kingship. This is a king. We're giving him a kingly gift. We also know that the frankincense, incense, many people believe it represented the priestly role of the ministry. You walk into the temple, they would burn the incense. So they gave him this frankincense because they recognized his priestly role. He is our great high priest. And they recognize this at his birth. And then we see that they give the myrrh. What is myrrh? It's the foreshadowing. They say that Jesus was actually born to die. It's like, okay, here's, we recognize today that you have this newborn son. It's like buying a casket for their funeral. But they knew that this son, this baby was born for something special. He was born to die for a purpose. He was born, literally, he was the only one that was born to die. The rest of us were born to have purpose and to live. God created every one of us for purpose. His purpose, he was born as a man so that he could die. 
And they recognized this. They recognized the prophetic aspect to his life. They knew that the time would come where he would be the sacrifice for the world. And so they give this gift as a foreshadowing. They worshiped him. They're overjoyed to bring these gifts. And with tremendous joy in their heart, they opened up the best that they had and they gave it to Jesus. Now we know that both Mary and Joseph weren't wealthy people. In fact, when we see after Jesus was born, they go to bring a sacrifice to the temple. They actually give uh, not the required lamb because they couldn't afford a lamb. They gave two little birds, which was the acceptable alternate if they couldn't afford a lamb. So we know they didn't have a lot of money. And yet these gifts would have made the world of a difference for them. Being able to then be on the run, having to run away from Herod. They had incredible challenges ahead of them. And here we see this beautiful gift that God provided at just the right time. They gave the very best of what they had to Jesus. Maybe you can see where we're going with this this morning. And as we talk about worship as a church, as we talk about bringing our gifts, we want to give the very best of ours to God. We want to give the very best of what we have to him. They met his needs. They met beyond the expectation because there was none. They gave something that cost them. They gave something beautiful, something bold. They gave a part of themselves. Maybe we're a little bit uncomfortable when we start talking about giving. It's not always the best. And... Maybe this is the moment you start believing in the rapture all of a sudden. Jesus, would you come now so I don't have to listen to this? What are you asking me for, God? What do you want me to give now, God? This and that. And, and Pastor Gary, why don't you just talk about something nice and fluffy? Go back to the joy thing and, and go back to being happy thing. Giving is a joyful experience. If you don't have joy when you're giving, I don't really want you to give. Because then you're giving out of obligation. And we're not here to bring obligation to you this morning. We're not here to bring condemnation to you this morning. I'm just giving you instructions on, on ways to worship our God. Biblical, holy ways that God has called us to give. And, and we have an incredible opportunity for us this morning to worship him. We, we can, it's easy, when you look at this, it's easy to lift our hands. You know, that doesn't really cost me too much or anything. Maybe a little bit of strength, a little bit of energy. But this one touches our heart a little bit deeper. Because he's saying, give God the best that you have. Why should it be this way? Because love gives. Why does it have to be this way? Because when someone you love, you give to them. Because love gives. Usually in our home, maybe your home's the same, especially this Christmas season, we, we decided to stop really buying each other some gifts. And instead, we take our money and we go on vacation. We just spend our time together. That's what we do. And so for gifts, we usually do some sort of stocking stuffer. But I love my wife too much to get her junk for a stocking. And so everything I tend to buy her doesn't fit in a stocking, even though we say no gifts. Um, I still end up buying her something. And, and she kind of goes like, I don't need all this stuff. I said, but I love you. I wanted to buy you something. And sometimes I think it's a really good deal. So I buy it and she could care less because she, she's not as materialistic as I am. But I give to her because I love her. And that's how I, I love getting gifts. Okay. When someone gives me something, I love it. It's a love language for me. Words of affirmation. Tell me that you love me. And then gifts. Give me something to tell me that you love me. Okay. <laughs> that's how I respond to, to 
and feel loved. And you laugh, but it's true. Those generally, I think, yeah, generally that's how it is. Now my wife, she's more, she's more personal touch quality time. And I don't really like to be touched all that much. And so when she's like, come cuddle with me, I'm like, we're in Florida. It's hot. I don't want to touch anybody right now. I don't want to be close to anything. And she's like, just love me. <laughs> Hold my hand. You know, it's all, it, it's all it takes. And it's a sacrifice, but we do it because we love. We give because love gives. When I say I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's an easy thing to say, but when it comes down to the act of worship, it's hard to do sometimes. It's a step of faith. It's probably the most known verse in the Bible. I could probably start saying it. You could probably finish it. John 3.16, for God so loved the, that he, he gave his only son. For God so loved the world that he gave. Why? Because love gives. He gave the one thing that he had. In fact, he gave everything. I've heard it said that by the gift of his son, it's like he bankrupt heaven. He gave everything that he had for the salvation of the world. He gave everything that he had for you and for me. Even though we don't deserve it. In fact, we could be considered God's enemies because of the sin that we have in our own lives. And yet God gave his own son for those who would be considered enemies. He gave everything for those who turned their back on him. He loved the world so much he gave his only son because love gives. He looked at creation, realized that we were separated, and the only way it could be made right would be a perfect sacrifice by giving himself something innocent that would die in our place, his son. Romans 5, 8, one of my favorite books of the Bible verses. But God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God demonstrates an action Saying I love you helps. Showing someone that you love them makes a huge difference. Telling God you love him is wonderful. It's an amazing step of faith. Showing God in your actions, in your giving, is a whole other level of worship. God didn't just shout his love from heaven. Hey, I love you down there. I hope that's good enough. No, he demonstrated his own love by giving his son. He sent Jesus because love gives. Now, giving is hard sometimes. I get it. You know, we could come up with all the excuses from a financial perspective not to give. And we could say, you know, I really, really, truly believe in my heart that I love God, but I just have a really hard time giving. I feel the financial pressure. I, I understand all this. I, it's just, it's hard to do. You know, I got bills that are past due, X, Y, Z, all of these things, or I've worked hard for this. It's mine. It's hard to give it up. I have plans. We can read from Proverbs chapter three, another popular verse of scripture. This is what it says. Trust. Oh, don't say that, Pastor Gary. Give me an excuse. Give me a way out. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. He will bring health to your body, nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crop. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. This word honor means to worship. It means to adore, to praise, honor. Worship the Lord with what? With all of your wealth. Worship God with what you have. This is one of the ways that we worship God, but it's a very important way to worship God. They were overjoyed and they opened their treasures and they worshiped him. They gave God their very best. Now we, we look, we talks about the first fruits. We can read in Malachi what that means, another book of the Old Testament. If you're a farmer, you take the first crop that you harvest, you take you, which would be about 10% of your field. You take that first crop and you bring it to the temple because that first one is the best one. You bring your very best and you give it to God. Before anything else happens, they say, bring in the very best. And Jesus affirms in the New Testament the same parallels in Matthew 23, 23. And he's talked about in Hebrews as well. That's, that's what's known as the tithe. The tithe is the Hebrew word, which the word mesar, and it really simply means a tenth. A tithe means a tenth. Malachi says that we worship God with a tenth of what we have, of what he actually trusts us with. So when we start to look at it this way, we're not giving something that we have earned. We're already giving back to God what's already his. Because God has given us this life. So right away, I give God my life because he gave me air to breathe. He's the one who formed me in my mother's womb. He's the one who created me. I exist for his purpose, not for my own. And so I give back to God what's already his, a tenth, a tithe, that belongs to him. We worship the Lord with the first tenth of what he gives us. And I think for our culture, it's kind of a crazy idea. People ask often, and I'm kind of surprised at how often they ask, even in our community, you know, how do you guys, like, where do you guys get your money from to do the things that you do? And I said, what do you mean where do we get our money from to do the things that we do? I said, it's based on the generosity of the people in our church. As it is based on their obedience and their faithful giving, because if people don't give, we don't see ministry happen. And if we don't see ministry happen, we don't see lives changed and transformed. We don't get to hear stories like Corey shared with us today, because we don't have those opportunities because people don't meet together anymore. I say when, when people start to give, it's not about a financial thing. I mean, God has been incredibly faithful to our church in the good times and in the tough times. God has been incredibly faithful because it's not about money. It's not about those resources. It's about faithfulness and it's about obedience and it's about love and worship to God. And when we give to God, God does extraordinary things. I can tell you countless stories of, of, of people that I've heard stories of, not my stories, but others. And, and you know, they, they began to tithe and they began to see their sons and their daughters come to faith in Jesus Christ, totally unrelated to their giving. But God began to bless them 
with the desires of their hearts because they saw a faithfulness. He saw a loyalty. He saw a commitment and a worship. And as they began to worship and be obedient, God began to honor their, honor their obedience. And doors began to open and people began in their families began to get saved and know the true love of God themselves. We say we bring our first and we bring our best and trust God to bless the rest. Kind of a fun little saying. We bring our first and our best and trust God to bless the rest. It's no doubt that giving is a sacrifice. It costs us something. It is a step of trust. It is a step of faith. But trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Submit to him and he will make your paths straight. We give our first and our best, not our worst and our last, and trust God to bless the rest. You know, when I, 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 I sort of grew up in church, you've maybe heard my story, I'll tell it another time. But I've learned this principle since a young age. Now, when you're a kid and you don't make a lot of money, like I was shoveling snow and someone gave me a dollar well, sorry, God, I can't break the loony in half. I can't even cut a tenth of the loony. So maybe I'll just keep that. Or, or maybe I'll just put the whole loony in the offering. That's okay too. As a kid, it's really easy. It's really easy to tithe and give money. When I started working in high school and I got like real money and I had to learn what tithing was all over again, I realized the challenge of what that meant because I was in a season I was trying to save money for school. I wanted to go to Subway every day. I wanted to, you know, whatever the case was. I wanted to, to buy things for myself. And I realized that this really was a step of faith that I had to take. And there was moments, especially in college, before I was married and did it the right way, in my opinion, I... I you know, college students don't have tons of money, typically. If you've ever been to college, university, and, and you know, you, typically a college student doesn't have a lot of money. And, and so I remember earning money and saving it, and, and, and just, I had already grown in this step, and I said, okay, God, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting you, I'm giving you the money that is due to you, and I'm trusting you. And I don't know how it happened, but at the right place at the right time, the right money would come in to pay the next installment on my tuition for my books. And it got to the end of the semester and someone had owed me some money. And I was, I was really needing that money to, to pay the last installment, to pay for enough food, to be able to get home for the summer and work again. And I remember I had worked for a lighting company for a weekend concert. I think it was the Western Canadian Music Awards at the Snowbird Hangar in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. It was really cool. And it was a really cool experience from a technology perspective. It's what I love to do. Got to see the production side of everything and how it worked. It was awesome. And the better part of it was that I got paid at the end of that weekend of work because, uh, you know, when you work, you should get paid. Um, generally, that's how it works unless you're volunteering and, and that's fine. But I would definitely did not do it to volunteer. And so I, was, I had cashed this check and, I, and I, I said, I could really use this money because the person that owes me money, you know, is, I, don't, I don't trust that they're going to follow through and, and it's not going to happen. I said, but I'll, I'll give you the amount that you need, God. I'll give you the 10%. And it was like 300 bucks, so it was like 30 bucks. But when you're a college student, it's amazing how far a third $30 can go. Like you can stretch 30 bucks pretty good. And so I remember giving the $30 in the offering, and it was like the next day the person comes up to me and hands me the exact money that they owed me. 
And it was just an amazing test of God's faithfulness. It was a test of my faith to believe that when I give God my first, when I give God my best, I can trust God to bless the rest. I can trust God to see me through every situation, every problem, every financial step that I need to take. When I give of myself and I surrender myself to him, even if it doesn't go the way I want it to, even if it doesn't look the way I expect it to, I trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean on his understanding, not my own. And God makes a way and he's faithful. Now we are blessed as a church. We are blessed and we're able to be a blessing because of generosity and faithfulness, because of the worship through giving. We're able to do the things that we do because people worship God with their gifts. This leads us to our final point today, and it's more than just giving wealth. It's actually more important than giving money. In fact, if we do this next step, giving of our gifts is a lot easier to do when we follow this next step. It's when we're able to give from our lives. Giving our lives is the ultimate gift. Surrendering ourselves to Jesus is the number one thing that we can do. Letting the Holy Spirit transform us, letting God come into our lives and change us into the people he created and destined us to be is the best thing, the best gift that we could ever give. Now, Paul, he says this in Romans 12. Now, Paul we can never forget who Paul was. He was the guy that would kill people like us. He was the guy that would kill people because they were Christians. He hated them. His religion told him that they were a threat, that they were not in obedience to God, and he hated them. And he, it was his life goal, his life mission to eliminate Christians. And it was on a road he experienced an incredible moment of transformation as he experienced Jesus Christ himself. And I would encourage us, like Paul today, to be transformed the way that he was, to give our lives in service for God the way that he was. He was transformed. The guy who imprisoned, beat, tortured, and killed Christians was so transformed by the power of God. This is what he wrote in Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... Paul understood God's mercy. Here he was persecuting those who loved God, who loved Jesus, who proclaimed him as Lord. He was killing the very people that God had destined and ordained to bring the Savior to the world. He knows God's mercy. He says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and pop proper worship. The best give that you could ever give to God is yourself. Love him with all your heart, your soul, mind, strength. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. It doesn't make sense in our minds, but in all our ways acknowledge him. In all our ways acknowledge him, and he will make our paths straight. I honor him with my first and my best, and I will trust him to bless the rest. Because they were overjoyed at a savior God loved first. He demonstrated his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
And so they traveled far and hard to open their treasures, to kneel before him, to worship him, because he first loved us. This morning, before we close in prayer, I wanted to share a little bit of a financial update with you. And I was going to do it a few weeks ago uh, before we went away. But the people that were here, there wasn't as many people here I thought would benefit from it. And so I put together some slides. It's not working. I can usually do it from my phone. It wasn't going to work. So you're just going to have to listen closely. Can we, can we do that? Maybe. So uh, this is really to the end of October. And I really want to just point out DeGraff to us this morning. And I just want to give our thanks to him and his beautiful wife for their service to our church uh, for looking after our books as bookkeeper and as, as treasurer. They've just done a phenomenal job uh, on keeping the bills paid or making sure the bills are paid and uh, giving us the right updates. And so everything I'm going to tell you is all because of him today, is, is sharing, at least information-wise. But uh, as of October the 31st, he probably has November done, but when we did this, we didn't have November. But as of... of uh, October 31st, our year-to-date giving from all of our income sources amounted to $81,644.80. To put that in perspective, I don't have the note in front of me because it's on the slide, but that's more than it was in 2017. 18. This is 19. It was more than it was in 2018. And so some of the things that we can pay attention to is we've had a little bit of rental income from our church parsonage. Uh, That's been a little bit of a part of it. And some other special designated giving. Uh, We've seen an increase in our missions giving as well. But our overall general, we've seen more giving take place. God has been faithful in our church. God has been faithful in so many incredible ways. Uh, We've also seen uh, our subsidy. We get money from our district office every month to sort of help us out. We get uh, $1,000 a month. When I started almost two and a half, over two and a half years ago, we were getting about 1500 I think $1,500 or $1,800 a month. Now we get $1,000 a month from our district office. They've, They've cut that back. We've asked them as a step of faith on our part to say, how about we take a little bit off and we do a little bit less each year. And so we're with $1,000. We've, we've come quite a long way. God has been faithful. God has been using your generosity. It's exciting to see. Uh, we've seen uh, over this year, we've seen over $2,500 given to missions. That was end of October. Our goal for the year is $2,400. We're already above that. Uh, in our bank account at the end of, of October, if I can read this properly, I might not have the right one in front of me. Again, I put it on the slide. It's not on this paper. My apologies. This is not very helpful to you. I'm sorry. Let me read my notes here. See, again, I did this before I went on vacation. I didn't look at it till now. I apologize. I know it's in a good spot. Maybe DeGraff knows off by the top of his head here over there, but... We're in a very positive position, let's put it that way. So I, I don't, and I, which is exciting to say. It's really good to do a giving message and to say that God has put us in a really good position. 
And that's because of our faithfulness in our worship. Uh, in the next coming weeks, I will actually have the correct numbers and we'll put it on the slide there. Sierra uh, was amazing to jump in on the PowerPoint today. And I meant to mention a prayer request for Chad. He's gone down to the Sioux to help take care of his dad a little bit. Who was, uh, He's doing, I think, okay uh, and everything. But uh, um, we want to remember him. But uh, Sierra would have been, uh, he would have been there to put the slides up is all I'm trying to say. But uh, we remember him. And so next week, I'll have the actual more details as well. Plus, I'll have Novembers. But it's an exciting time to be part of our church. It's an exciting time to see God do incredible things, to be in a very positive position. It's a very generous time of year. And if you're looking to give, what's, what's amazing about living in the country that we do is that every dollar you give, you can get a charitable tax receipt. Uh, because we are a registered charity with the government of Canada. That's something that, that the government allows for churches in our land, which is really kind of, you know, we don't give to get, but it's really kind of a neat blessing that God has blessed us as Canadians to be able to do that. And so if you want to give for a charitable receipt, uh, just make sure that the last day you can give is the last Sunday of the month in our morning service. So once the offering plate has been collected on the last Sunday of the month, the date escapes me, uh, that would be the last time you could physically give a check or cash. Now you can still give online through our website until, look at that, he's got, he's got the paper. Judy had it, all even better. You, wanna, you can do it. Since you're here you this week, <laughs> you can give online pretty well right till midnight on the last Sunday, but cash check, uh, once it's in Sunday morning, last Sunday of the month, after that, it goes to 2020. So just that's for your information. All right. Let me look at this. October, 2019, our bank balance was $8,310 and 92 cents. So very, very encouraging to see. And that's, uh, Let's see here. Let me just look. And in October, we received $7,999.97 in October alone. So very cool to see that we're not negative, that we're not going down. We're maintaining room to grow, but we're in a healthy spot. We're able to pay our bills. And it's getting cold, so it's really nice to turn the heat on in church, isn't it? So sound okay with you? Let's pray. Why don't we stand as we pray this morning? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son. Lord, it's why we're here this morning, because you gave your Son for us. We have come to celebrate, we've come to hear from your word, we've come to meet together to meet with you. God, we believe today, and we see very clearly, O oh Lord, your faithfulness in our lives and in our church. Lord, we come and we say thank you, we worship you, O oh Lord. We give you our lives, we give you our time, we give you our energy, we give you even our finances, oh God, and we trust you. Lord, we trust you to show us your ways, to show us your path, to set our feet, Lord, on the right course ahead of us. Lord, as we begin this next season, Lord, and continue in this season of worship, as we begin to wrap up this year, Lord, I pray, Lord, into 2020, that we'd begin to see, oh God, an increase in, in, in your faithfulness, an increase in our worship, and an increase in our gifts. Lord, because we believe that there is more work to do in Terrace Bay, there's more work to do in Scriber, there's more work to do in our, in our, in our entire area, oh Lord. 
And Lord, we believe that there's more to do that you want to use us globally, Lord, as we work towards this missions trip. And so, Lord, would you give us the strength, would you give us the faith, and would you build our trust to be able to trust in you, Lord, as we give these gifts, as we work to give our very best, to give our first. Lord, we come with an overwhelming thanks of gratitude for your generosity. Lord, every day that we live, every day that we breathe, oh Lord, is a gift from you. And so, Lord, we give you our lives this morning. Lord, as I stand, as we stand here together as a church, Lord, may it be a symbol, Lord, of our commitment that we are giving our lives to you. Lord, not for our sake, but for yours. Not for our benefit, oh God, but to be used by you for your glory and for your kingdom. Lord, I thank you for every person in this room, Lord, in this building today, from our kids to our adults, oh God. Lord, I thank you that you value each one. I'm so thankful for each one that's here. God, we just praise you, we honor you, and we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise, Lord, this Christmas season. In your holy name, amen.